morning, turn with me to our text, which will be found in Paul's last letter as, uh, on the face of this earth and time, and that's, of course, is 2 Timothy. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I do find it to be very comforting that this gospel was on the lips of the Apostle Paul at a very close time nearing his departure. We'll read those words and ask the Lord's blessing upon it. That's 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. And he's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let us pray. O oh Lord, how great thou art. What a merciful Lord thou art. I thank you, Lord, for thy healing that you have done and bringing my family back this week. And Lord, I pray for that continued healing to be upon our pastor now. And Lord, may that anointing of thy grace and healing in thy wings come to him and give him peace in this time also and show him Lord thy nearness Lord as we assemble this morning we thank thee Lord for that also we know Lord you have bidden us to come where two or more are gathered in thy name your promise is that you will be here in the midst of us we praise thy name and thank thee for that Lord I pray as we move ever so close to a time that's set apart to to remember the, son, the birth of thy son. I pray, Lord, this day that you would impress it upon us, the magnitude of this gift, the magnitude of thy love toward thy people, and that you would be honored, and that you would be glorified, and that you would be lifted up for thy people to behold, for thy people to be bewildered of how great thou art. Lord, I pray for the anointing upon this time, for the praise and glory of Thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to continue today to celebrate that unspeakable gift. As I said, we move so close to that time. This is the last time we'll meet before that day that set apart for us to, to celebrate. And, and as the people of God, we celebrate His birth year-round. We do appreciate this time of year that's given to us more time with our families and a time that's to reflect, a time to think about how great the magnitude of this gift really is. It's a perfect gift. James said in James 1.17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And this is a perfect gift. The Lord Jesus Christ is a perfect gift. And He did come from above, and He came down from the Father of lights. There's no darkness in our Lord. There's no darkness, even though we're in a dark world today. But the Lord shines as light for His people. He came down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. We have an ever-evolving world, so we think. A world that seems to change every week with new mandates, new fears, new discoveries, 
and yet our Lord changes not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and then forever. This gift is the same gift for His people that was given then as it is now. And there's no shadow of turning in this gift. Truly, it is remarkable. Truly, He is remarkable. We celebrate today the sufficiency of this gift. We celebrate how He lacks nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not be in need of anything because He is everything. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. And I hope you see that in our text today. The, the gloriousness about the gift that God gave from above is that it is truly all of Him. There is no part, there is nothing in us but receiving vessels to receive this gift. That's what our text tells us today. Was given us in Christ Jesus. We're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. It is a completely sufficient gift, and it is a complete gift. He is a complete gift. He is a complete Savior. Paul wrote in Colossians 2.10, And you, ye, are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. We're, our completeness today is in Christ Jesus. And I know when we're left to, to look at ourselves and we look at our surroundings, we feel incomplete. But Christ is that complete gift. I want to focus on that today as we go through our text and share some thoughts that I have with you today in our text. But if you will, start with me back up in verse 7. In verse 7, Paul writes something to Timothy. As I said, he's, he's on the cusp of death. And he's in this jail. And he knows his days are numbered. And whether he's troubled in his spirit, whether he's fearful of that time, we just don't get that. We get this statement, God has not given us the spirit of fear, which tells me Paul identified if he had a spirit of fear for his circumstance. He knows it did not come from God. Today, we are bombarded with the spirit of fear. We are told about new variants. We are told about the world shutting down again. We're told about all of these restrictions that are coming. We're told about the political landscape in our country that things are going to get worse. We see with our eyes, we see things getting worse. We see the, the, the multitude of, of the news covering many deaths. We see deaths being brought about in the forefront, whether it be the hand of God in, in His creation, or whether it be the hand of God in disease, or whether it be the hand of God in whatever way He deems to end life on this earth. But Paul says something. He says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So in these troubled times that we live today, 
it is wrong for us to have the spirit of fear. Because if God didn't give it to us, it came from the wicked one. And it came from our wicked nature. And to dwell upon the fearful things of this world, let's put it bluntly, is sin. Because God didn't give us that. What He's given us is power. Power to overcome. Power to look past those things. Power not to fear because of the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Power to focus upon Christ. Who, when He stays our mind upon Him, is where we have perfect peace. As I said today, you will hear me say these things over and over. He is the perfect gift. We need that gift. We need it every day. And when the spirit of fear comes, the Lord magnitude magnifies to us the gloriousness and the necessity of this gift. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us power. And He's given us love. And love always dispels fear. And He's given us a sound mind. I think about that a lot when I, when I, and I don't read the headlines a lot, but when I do, I'm left to that thought many times. How can anybody stay sane with all that's going on? If you really took everything as truth, as some people do, and you wonder why suicide rates are up and you wonder why people are, despair is so up because everybody thinks that's truth. But as the people of God, we're assured that there's one truth. And Jesus says, I am that truth. That's that gift that keeps giving, as if you will. It gives all year round. In His sovereignty, He gives. In His mercy, He gives. In His abundant grace, He gives. And first thing I think is very interesting, he tells us what he doesn't give. And then the flow of this into our text tells us what he has given. Be not, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be afraid of this testimony of what Christ has done. Will the world think you're weak? Absolutely. Will the world think you're peculiar? Absolutely. Will the world believe that you're the crazy one? Absolutely. But don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What is his testimony to you today? It's okay to smile and it's okay to have joy because he's ordained joy in himself. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our love. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Dear one, the, the afflictions that we partake in are because of the gospel. How can we say that they're not fair when our Lord was afflicted in such ways that we could only cringe at? 
And yet he went before us in affliction also so that he could succor us. So that he could show us the way out in himself. So that he can reveal the love and the healing that he has in his wings. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And then we bleed into our text in 9. And we stop at this first clause. Who has saved us. First and foremost we're hit with who has saved us. Salvation. Are you saved this morning? I'm not sitting here as a, as a free will preacher telling you to get saved. I'm not telling you, oh, this is the hour, this is the time. I'm asking you, are you saved? Paul speaks of it as a past term. He has saved us. What is your salvation and what is it from? Who has saved us? It's, it, it, this salvation, as we see in this text, is, is independent of any motive or cause but his own sovereign will and pleasure. No moving cause, no procuring cause, no assisting clause from man. None. Who has saved us? He saved us in eternity. He saved us from this crazy world. He has saved us from sin. They shall call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. Are you saved from your sins this morning? Are you saved from what man says about you this morning? Are you saved from this fear that we spoke about this morning? He has saved us. He's spoken of, it's already done, and rightfully so. We're going to go to a few places this morning, and all of them are very, very familiar verses to you. In fact, some of you probably, as soon as I tell you where we're going, you'll, oh, I know what that says, I don't need to go. But if you will, turn with me over to Ephesians 1 now. And we'll accentuate this point. Who has saved us. Ephesians 1, and we'll just begin in verse 4 and read down to verse 9. But listen to these words in light of this unspeakable gift. Think about this time of year as we celebrate the God-man. As we celebrate Him coming in time. That's what our text tells us. That he was manifest. According, verse 4, according as He has chosen us in Him, He has saved us. He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. He has saved us. This is why the spirit of fear can have no hold upon us. Because He has saved us. He has chosen us in Himself before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Because of His love and because He has saved us, because He is our life, because He is our righteousness, we can be holy and without blame. That's, that's what we are before Him now. That is what we are clothed in His righteousness without blame. I can enumerate you for hours things that I am to blame for. But in Christ Jesus, 
I have no blame. My sins have been washed away. I have been justified by the rightful judge who has stood in my place and has said, I will take the punishment for that one. Is that the case with you? Is that your salvation? He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. Are those beautiful words? Adopted to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. That's the point. Everything is according to the good pleasure of His will. It was the will of God to send His Son to die for His people. It was the will of God to make a body for His Son to come down here in. It was the will of God to raise His Son from the dead. It was the will of God to bring His Son back to ascend upon high and reign forevermore for His church. According to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We're accepted in Christ. That's what salvation is. Who has saved us? In that Christ we have redemption through His blood, verse 7 tells us. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. He shall save His people from their sins. Well, how will He do it? Well, with no help from the sinner. It couldn't be that way. It had to be a holy transaction. It had to be a perfect transaction. The one who stood in our place had to have no sin. He had to know no sin. But He had to be made sin. He had to take on all of the sins of His church. He had to, to make it a perfect legal transaction to exonerate all of His people, to justify all of them. That's why we're not guilty. Because He stood in our place. What, a, what greater gift could you think of? What greater gift is there? wherein He has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Frankie and I were just discussing this world and that there's no wisdom in this world. There isn't. And He rightfully said, we don't look for it. No, we don't. There's nothing in this world. Wisdom's in Christ. Wisdom is in Christ Jesus. Don't ever look to this world to figure things out. Don't ever. Wisdom is in Christ alone having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He has purposed in Himself. The mystery of His will was what we spoke about last time. Sending His Son. Great is the mystery that His Son would come in the flesh. And the whole religious world missed it. I mean, think about that. We still are in a religious world. And Jesus didn't come to anyone in this religious world either. It's not about religion. 
It's not about man's religion. It's not about all the offshoots of religion today. It's the same that can trace all of their roots back to the Pharisees. And Jesus wasn't sent for them. No, He, he came to save sinners. That's how great a salvation. That's how great, going back to our text now, who has saved us. That's not all. He called us with a holy calling, but notice that He saved us first. There'd be no call without salvation from eternity. Saved and then called. No creature ability or work taken into this account. Turn with me over to Romans 8. I told you very familiar grounds were going. Romans 8. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Isn't that what we've been discussing? Salvation in eternity? A relationship before the foundation of the world? Where our salvation is, is traced back to? Whom he did foreknow, him, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Is He the firstborn in your life? Is this gift the firstborn in your life? That's what being born from above is. That's what being born again is. Christ is your life. <clears throat> Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. We've talked about every one of those points. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. All the way to the end, dear ones. We're going to talk about that when we get to verse 10 in our text today. He abolished death. And our glorification will be on display when our last breath is taken. Verse 31, I, I say, I say the same thing. What shall we then say to these things? What shall we say to this perfect gift? What shall we say to this perfect salvation and this perfect one who was sent? What can we say? What do we say in our soul today as we're sitting in those seats? What do we say in our mind today? What goes through our mind when we hear these things? What a gift. Back to our text. Paul says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. It's a holy calling. Not any holiness in the church that I know went through a very dark time in religion and we still have it among us today in the Catholic Church where they believe they have a holy father. We like to to look at that and say, well, how silly that is, and we, 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 it gets us upset even. But how can you not be upset with the rest of the world, the religious world, who makes a God out of free will, who makes a God out of man's choice, who makes a God out of whatever it is that's good for man at that time? No. 
it's a holy calling. Not any, not according to our works. That's what he says. Who called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. But by grace. But according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. A holy calling given us in Christ Jesus. That's the depth of grace. You know, we sing Amazing Grace a lot. Sometimes I'm sure if you're like me, you sing it so many times, you're humming it so many times, you don't stop to think about those two words together. Amazing grace. And everyone to a man or woman in this room would have a different way to describe how amazing the grace has been in their life. All of us experience Christ in different measures. But we all experience Christ. All of His church all ever will. Every one of them. How sweet the sound of that grace. Turn with me back to Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians 2 now. We know these verses. Eight, nine, and ten. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. I don't know how many times the Bible wants to make clear that it's not of ourselves. Paul, especially, in all of his writings, it's not of ourselves. And yet we gravitate in our old nature to self. And we can be told many times and times over, times and times again, as we have today, that it's not of ourselves. But yet we always think there's something that we have to do or need to do. It comes from that old nature. The old nature that was at Babel, that thought that they could build something up to bring God down or reach God. The old nature that was in the hands of Cain who believed that he could procure something by even murder. The old nature that's been on display throughout all of the Word of God. But grace. By grace are you saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's what we celebrate today. The gift of God. The gift of grace in His Son. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And we do. We do. Even the ones we love in this room that know better, we do. We boast about what we've done. We boast about the things that we, we think we've done for others. and We want people to know those things and talk about those things. Yeah, we need Him. We need Him to impress verse 10 upon us that we are His workmanship. And that we are created in Christ Jesus unto those good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And that part right there, if, the, if you don't, if you're still struggling with what your part is in it, think about that a minute. God ordained that work before you ever did it. 
then how can you have any part or any thought toward that, toward that work? That's the depth of grace. That everything that Christ has done on our behalf, we realize it in time as the Holy Spirit reveals what Christ has done. And we will not realize it in time if we lay claim to what we've done. There's no, there's no disputing that. There's no arguing that point. Paul's made it clear. The Word of God has made it clear. It's a holy calling. Now turn with me over to Titus 3. Another familiar point. I know we've been turning a lot just on this day, as I said, the Lord's Day. The day that, that we celebrate this gift. I pray that the Lord uses the words that we're hearing today and in His Word to feed you throughout the week as we move up to that day. And make that gift to you so much more special. And then when you turn to give those gifts, or you receive those gifts, that your mind and your heart compares it. It says, oh, my Lord is such a much a greater gift than anything I can give or anything I receive. And then as you give those gifts to the ones you love, that the Lord impresses upon you the gift of the Son by the Father. And then he gives us the same love in giving those gifts and the joy in giving those gifts. Titus 3, verses 4 through 6. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. It did appear. Thank God he came in time to save his people from their sins. Thank God that his, but the Bible says that he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And our text today tells us he was manifest to abolish death. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. According to what? His mercy. That's it. We love mercy. Man loves mercy. He don't love to give mercy, but he loves mercy. But mercy by the hand of our Lord, to be brought to the end of yourself, to see that you're, that whatever you have is from him. What a great mercy that is. I don't know about you, but it just brings peace over me that I don't have to care about tomorrow. Because I know who holds it. I know who has went before me. I know who's faithful. And I know the one who has saved it. And I know the one who has everything for me. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's that gift. Jesus said, I'll send you, I'll do, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And he did. And the 
Holy Spirit testifies today, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the unspeakable gift. Christ in us, the the non-exhausted gift. It can't be exhausted. Grace can't be. Doesn't matter what man thinks it can do. Let's go back to our text. As we move to verse 10 now. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. And that indeed is what we celebrate. He came in time and he left heaven's glory. To come down here for his people. The last place we'll go today is Philippians 2. Just to put that in our mind. Philippians 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you. Oh Lord, if you're willing today, if you're willing now at this hour to let by thy power this mind be in us now, in this hour, that's the mind of their son. Put us, Lord, in that mind now, right now, as we read through what Christ did in coming in time who being in the form of God, equal with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. A king that would come down and was born in a manger. A a very simple, mean birth. made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he had to be. He had to suffer as a man. He had to suffer in the place and be the sacrifice for man because as we talked about last time, bulls and goats couldn't do it. And being found fashion, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And that perfect obedience is what we celebrate today, that perfect robe of righteousness. That he obeyed even to the death of the cross. That's what it says. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Examination time. Is that name higher than any name in your Rolodex, in your mind, in your heart of hearts? Because God has exalted him to that position. No person. And you know, God has exalted him in the souls of his people. (coughs) That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. Christ is Lord. Christ is King. 
Christ is the greatest gift. Back to our text. He's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Yes, it's been said many times, He came to die. He came to lay down His life, and by doing so and coming up out of the grave, He abolished death. And you say, well, there's still so much death. There's still death. Well, dear ones, there is no death for the children of God. He abolished it. Is there a passing out of this life? Absolutely. And to gloriousness of eternity. He's put away death forever. There's no more sting. He tells us the last enemy is death and it will be destroyed too. It's under His feet now. It has no reign in our life. One day it will be no more also. One day. For you and I, He has abolished death and He's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's the depth, the depth and the greatness of this depth. Is this gift today abolishes death. You know, I was faced with death again this week, and I finally can pinpoint what I don't like about death. It's a finality in this life. And we don't like that because the things we have in this life because God is so merciful to us. He's so good to us. And when we have those things around us and people and animals in this case or we've had a long time and when the finality comes, it's hard. But that's the greatness of this gift as he's abolished that because he transcends our minds and takes us to of course it's going to come back to us and what we think about death all our lives were subject to the fear of death Hebrews 2 tells us but he was manifest to put it away John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Life and immortality. That's what he focuses the child of God on. That's why the death of the saints are precious in his sight. Because it's a moving through the portal. It's the passing of Jordan, if you will. The Lord Jesus Christ is there to usher us home. John, in John 11, we know these two verses. Jesus said unto her and to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to think about that in light of this gift. Think about this. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe that today? That a child of God will never die. And the gloriousness of the body that was prepared for Christ that he raised again is the same glorious body that's prepared for us that will rise again one day and be joined with our soul and spirit to worship Him forever. Death has no hold on the people of God. You know, Matthew twenty-two thirty-two 32 is, is especially special to me when I think about this verse in abolishing death. And it reads this way, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You say, well, I'm praise God that He's the God of the living. But think of the significance when Jesus said these words. He had all these religious people around Him, and He brought up three that they believed were dead, and Jesus knew they were living. I'm the God of the living. You all look at them that they're dead. They're not dead. They're living. That's our heritage. That's our our inheritance. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. That's how great this gift is. That even though that word death is so celebrated today and so put out in front everywhere, Everybody talks about it. Everybody talks flippantly about it. Is there a soberness to it to you? Because that's our portal to be in eternal happiness with this great unspeakable gift. And you know what? On that day, whenever He takes us home, He'll be speakable to us then. Because we won't need faith anymore. We'll see Him as He is. What a glorious thought. He is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and He's brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Dear ones, cleave to the Gospel. It's precious. Cleave to the Word of God. Cleave to this gift. Dear Heavenly Father, add Thy power, add Thy clarity for Your name's sake. And Lord, may You be glorified in all that was said. And may You, Lord, bring it to our souls and minister that peace and grace to us at this hour. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.